Well, good morning. That was anemic. That was definitely anemic. Good morning. You know, I know this is a surprise to you. You've been used to our former elder board chairman always preaching the Sunday after Christmas. Bill Berry is somewhere in the world today. And so um, people ask occasionally how Scott and I divide up the preaching. He preaches most of the time. But I'll tell you how we decided who was preaching today. So there you go. Hey, uh, if you would take out your... uh, outline here in your worship folder. Uh, We're going to talk today about something that is near and dear to my heart, but I want to do a little market research. Just want to find out normally what service do you come to? Are you normally in the 9 o'clock or the 1045? If you're normally in the 9 o'clock service, would you raise your hand? Just want to see you. It was killing them today, like we got to wait another hour. I get it. How many of you are normally in the 1045? God bless you that you could move a little earlier today. I hope you got a lot of caffeine. Uh, This morning, uh, it starts a new year. We've we've talked about that already. Um, It has all these accompanying festivities. Let's just do a little check. How many of you already got your Christmas lights down? How many have never put them up? All right. Uh, Number two, how many have already made and broken a New Year's resolution? We're We're like 12 hours into this. Okay. Um, how many of you, your goals are as clear as mud? Okay, see, you're doing just fine. So we start this year with lots of anticipation, but I'm guessing for some of us, there's some bad habits. We're saying this is the year we're going to conquer the bad habits. And so for your visual enjoyment, I'd just like to highlight five of the bad habits you might be trying to deal with. Look at the first one here. Uh, Bad habits are like comfortable bed. They're easy to get into, but are hard to get out of. Maybe that's the premise. Number two, I'm a good person. I just have bad habits. That's for any kid who's still in the audience today, all right? But I really like the minions, so let's see one more. Uh, Laziness is the mother of all bad habits, but only she's a mother, and we should respect her. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah? Come on. Uh, Number four. One-third of the population squeezes their toothpaste in the middle. Let's all agree we're not going to be doing that any longer. That's for all of you that are kind of uh, obsessive about those things. And then number five, my favorite, they start early. I don't know if you can see he's texting in his car already. He's texting in his car. Now, with all that said, I want you to relax this morning. We're not going to be talking about healthy eating or exercise goals. There are no guilt trips this morning about carbs or cardio. I'm not going to talk about your sugar intake or your Diet Coke addiction. None of that. We have plenty of people who are telling you about health-related stuff this morning uh, and throughout the year. I want to talk about some other habits. I want to talk about some spiritual habits this morning, and in fact, I want to talk about if Jesus was going to tell you this morning, here are some habits I'd like you to kind of think about as you start the new year, what would those habits be? And I want to promote that Jesus would suggest that there are six simple habits that are life-changing in 2017. Would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, we ask that this morning that the messenger would not confuse the message as we look at the life of Christ this morning for just a few brief moments. We'd love to see how did he order his life in such a way that he made a difference that changed the course of history. And so this morning, Lord, we look at these six simple habits of Jesus in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I even start, I want those of you who are saying, oh man, don't give me some long list of stuff I got to do. I'm going to say it multiple times. This year is about grace, not guilt. Can we say it together? This is about grace, not guilt. But just like in the real world, if you want to make changes in your life, you say, I'm going to the gym this year. Yeah, I got that gym membership. I used it like four times, and I paid $25 a month, if you were lucky. And, but I got to use it. You know, I got to use it this year. But then sometimes there's just never any motivation. So you get somebody, you know, like your friend, like John Lopez, and you say, John, I need to work out with you. And then like, man, seven months later, well, we, we really got to do that again, don't we, John? You know, he does it every day. I can say that. In our spiritual life, sometimes we just need some motivation. What is it that kind of makes a difference in your life if you want to do 2017 in a different way? So I said, looking at Christ's life, what are some of the things that he did that made a difference? And I'll suggest there are six things that he did. Number one, Holy Spirit dependence. Holy Spirit dependence. Now, I realize that he connected with the Father, but in the same way, we connect with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, to be filled or to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, to be filled. He's the boss. He's in control. So the simple question I want to ask you is, how do you know if the Holy Spirit is really guiding and controlling your life? I'm going to give you a one-question mini-quiz. It's very, very simple. When you have a decision to make, do you pause and ask God for wisdom in making that decision? It's a simple question. When you go about making decisions in your life, do you just go, boom, I'm going to go do this? Or do you take the time to say, Lord, give me some wisdom? James 1.5 says this, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to generously with, to all without reproach. James 4.15 says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. In the same way that Jesus depended on the Father, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Jesus spent all night praying before he selected his 12 disciples. He was in submission to the Father, and in the same way, we should be in submission to the Holy Spirit. Now, why would we want that in our lives? You say that seems self-evident. Acts 1.8 says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you feel kind of weak and anemic, you go, man, I'm just going nowhere spiritually. Maybe it starts with giving God his ultimate place in your life by consulting him first in whatever you're going to do. It's your secret weapon. I believe that uh, the old school way of kind of remind you that was a bracelet, and I forgot to put it on this morning. Do you know what you used to wear? This was a kind of a late 90s, early 2000s thing. What did it say on your wrist? Yeah, what would Jesus do? WWJD. 
And if, it's pla- if you could just flip that on your head, oh, yeah, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would I choose to do in that situation? I had a very interesting week this week. Uh, I have a house, you know, up the street that someday, Lord willing, we'll move into, but right now it's a rental house. And at Thanksgiving, my renter contacted a bankruptcy lawyer and decided to move back to Texas. I didn't hear from him. I didn't say goodbye. He moved in the middle of the night. And I got a call from a lawyer saying, oh, you're blah, 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 have vacated your property, and uh, he will no longer be living there. Oh, well, thank you very much. And so I have to figure out what we're going to do. So uh, the good news is uh, a couple nights ago, we rented the house out, and it's going to be rented this week and whatnot. But my new renter is a very interesting dude. And I was thinking, I said, you know what? I think this is a guy who might come to church, but he never goes to church. He's totally into cars. So I said, I think, Lord, how should we use this as an opportunity? I think I know a pastor who's totally into cars, (laughs) right? And so I made sure that we signed the lease agreement in my office, and I made sure Scott was in his office. And I said, hey, Lewis, I want to introduce you to my pastor, Scott. And they start talking, and it was like it was a foreign language. They were going back and forth. I'm just nodding my head like I'm a complete idiot, right? And it was so cool because later, uh, uh, a couple days later when we finally signed the real deal, we're saying, of all places, let's go get something to eat to celebrate. So we went to Cronies. He's happy. I'm happy. Everybody's happy. And I said, you know, that was fun uh, watching you uh, interact with my pastor about cars. And he goes, oh, I'll be talking to him about cars more often. I said, well, yeah, when you come to church. He goes, you know what? We may just have to do that. What is God laying on your heart when you say, I want to be dependent on the Holy Spirit? It's asking him, what would Jesus do in that situation? Number two, alone time with God. Alone time with God. I don't know about you, but our house and where we've been in the last few weeks has been crazy. There's no solitude. There's no silence. But we know that the model that Jesus Christ followed comes from Mark 1.35. It says this, in the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Two disciplines, early morning, getting away, getting quiet. I don't know where that place is for you. Any of you young parents who have kids under the age of five, would you raise your hand? I don't know where it is, but I'm pretty sure it's not in your house with your children. I wonder how my daughter does it. I was with three grandkids for four days uh, under the age of four, a four, a two, and a three-month-old. There's reasons why women create these prayer closets inside their closets. <laughs> they cannot be found. They're nowhere to be found. Um, you've got to get away. I've got that, that, I've got that go-to place. Where is yours where you can just be alone with God? This idea of having a consistent, quiet time. Um, I know for some of you that's just so burdensome. You're saying, oh, do I really have to read through the Bible in a year? No, read through the Bible in 10 years. I don't care. Spend some time with Jesus. Now, some of you ask very practically, well, how do you do that? So I'm, I'm just going to show you some tools that I use. Now, I want to show you for both ends of the age spectrum. For some of you, you've been studying with Dr. Jai Vernon McGee. And here is his study notes, right here. And you can go into your 
local radio and listen to Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Those of you who are laughing know that I'm doing a pretty good interpretation of how he speaks. Now, that's for those of you who have this color hair and are maybe a little older. Everybody else who's, on, who's, who's taking notes or reading the bio or listening today, use an iPhone. Just raise it. This is good. You're not checking your, your fantasy football because that's over. Okay. So for that crowd, they're using a thing called the YouVersion Bible app. How many of you know about that? All right. Use it. They got a bazillion different quiet time things. Six days on this, five days on that. You can do that. For me, uh, some of you are a little more cerebral. And with your time alone, God, you need something that gives you a little meat. How about a little, uh, well, about this one? How about a little RC Sproul? All right? It's called Table Talk. You, it's free. You can subscribe to that. You get a little meaty stuff and you think about it, whatnot. So you go, I don't like to read, but I got to, I've got a journal. So maybe you have a little quiet time journal, you know, and it's just, you know, you just write some quiet time notes. I find some little things I paste in there. Um, and so maybe you use that. Uh, for some of you say, I'm good, but I just can't read. I got to like answer questions. So get one of these little devotional books. This is, I'm studying through the book of Ecclesiastes, all right? I don't care what you do, but in your alone time with God, there are two great components that I would suggest is time in the word and time talking to him. It's a real simple approach, but do something alone time with God. Now, this is so important to me, and I think one of my guys is here. We believe that so potent. I have four guys in my life, right? three guys in my life, four of us together, that when we're done, where are my guys? There's one, there's two. Rick's probably out with a baby somewhere walking him. Um, we text each other when we're done in the Word. Now, you say, oh, that's just way too regimented. That's way too legalistic. No, remember what the Word was? Three words, grace not guilt, right? It's not about, you know, oh, you messed up. No, this is, this is my teammates. These are the guys that are cheering me on saying, Erwin, I know you want to do this, so I'm going to help you. Now, it's really funny on the habits of these. I won't tell you who are, but there's one guy. He is my morning wake-up call because he is like 545. Would that dinger please go off? Just hide my phone because he's in really early. And so that motivates, okay, I'm going to do it sometime like at three in the morning just to mess with him, you know? And there's another guy, it's like, it's 11.52, and here comes a ding, you know, and he's, he's checking in. So spend some time in God's Word. Now you say, but I don't know how to do that. Pastor John, I'm embarrassed. I've been a Christian for a ton of years, but I really don't know when I open my Bible, like, what should I do? We got a plan. January 15th, 22nd, and 29th, I'm going to offer a three-week class on how to study the Bible, how to have a quiet time. We'll offer it over here in the Student Ministries building, and you'll get your chance to say, hey, i got to learn how to do this. There's no fault in that. Some of you are brand new in the Lord. Some of you have been Christians a long time, but you're in a rut. I guarantee you we're going to have a great time learning how to do that. So that's a little pra- That's one of three challenges I'm going to give you this morning. So that's the first one. Thirdly, what did Jesus do? Well, we also know that he was into Bible memorization. You say, seriously? I'll give you the facts in just a moment, but I want you to think about this. One of my favorite 
professors that I never got to take because I didn't go to Dallas Seminary was a guy by the name of Howard Hendricks, and he died a few years ago. But this is what he said about Bible memorization. He said, if it were his decision, every student graduating from Dallas Theological Seminary would... By the way, I almost said cemetery, didn't I? Dallas Theological Seminary would would be required to learn 1,000 verses word perfect before they graduated. I said, well, they should just go to Arowana. Yeah, they'll be close. Um, Dallas Willard, you know, uh, who passed away also a few years ago, professor of philosophy, he was at uh, USC, said, Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. Okay, so why should we? Because so few of us actually do it. Why should we? I'm going to give you four reasons. Number one, because Jesus modeled it. The reason I know he memorized scripture is what happened in the wilderness during his temptation? What happened? What did Satan do? He tempted it. And what did Jesus respond with? Scripture. He quoted Old Testament passages from memory, kind of put Satan on the run. Matthew 4, 4 says this, but it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you know that Jesus quoted from, not just in that section, but in, in the gospels, that Jesus quoted from 24 different books, Old Testament books, and roughly 180 times he quotes scripture. That's impressive, right? If Jesus needs it, just thinking maybe we might need it. Just, just a thought. Number two, God commands us. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. God commands it. Number three, it is a sin deterrent and purity protector. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Psalm 119 verse 9. And then verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Number four, you're going to be blessed by it. You're going to be blessed by it. Joshua 1.8, but this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. So I believe that the scripture memory piece is the first step, but if we really want to make a difference in our lives, then we got to take a little time to let it kind of filter through your system, spend a little time meditating on scripture. Now, for those of you who are skeptics, skeptics, we're not just talking about like a uh, spiritual kind of Ponzi scheme here. Um, what I'm talking about is that as you saturate your mind with God's word, I guarantee you, you're going to make better decisions. You're going to be much more in tune with what God wants for your life. So I had to rent a house this month. I also have to get rid of the cars in my driveway. Some of you don't really know this, but somehow we end up with these cars in, in our possession, mainly because my, my aging father-in-law no longer can drive. And so we've had this 300ZX that I've really needed. God bless someone with this wonderful car. Well, part of it is getting a reality check of like, how much is this worth? You know, because it's all going to my father-in-law's account. Well, I found if you just keep dropping the price by $1,000 at a shot, you'll eventually get at a level that someone will purchase it. So $4,000 later, um, that I got into the, the ozone range, um, we sold it. 
uh, actually last night at 6.15, and it was a wonderful day. I have never seen so many $100 gerals being thrown down on a table. It was just an awesome experience. I felt like I was rolling. Anyway, um, but the point being, I'm not sure what the point was. Um, oh, yeah, so the point was, some people want to connect this verse that if you meditate on God's word, that he will bless you and prosper you financially. I want to just debunk that myth. The sale of that car had nothing to do with me meditating on Joshua 1.8. But I do know this. We prayed very specifically that someone would take this car, would appreciate it. And so I had this really unbelievable experience over the last several months when people would call, once I actually put the price at somewhere, someone didn't think I was a complete fool, um, was 19-year-olds and 50-year-olds. That's the only two kinds of people who called. The 50-year-olds were like, I had one when I was 17. I want it again. This car looks awesome. The other one was 19. And there's this something with 19-year-olds. They're like in this nostalgia phase, like they were born way too late. They just want it. And that, a 19-year-old kid, his very first car, he bought it last night. And I was so happy because he was so excited. And I think about that in my Christian life. Don't you want to go through life where God, just maybe God does a, a God kind of thing because you're so in tune with the Holy Spirit, you spent time alone with God, your mind is saturated with Scripture, and you say, God, let me bless somebody today. Let me be a difference maker in somebody's life so they see a little bit of Jesus. And so I believe that Bible memorization is a part of that next step. Now you say, you said there were three challenges. What's your second challenge? Ah, I'm so glad you asked. Look at the back of your outline. Take it out right now. Look at the back of your outline. We have some questions for you to kind of study and look at uh, for your life groups this week or in your own devotions. Do you see the Bible verse challenge, memory verse challenge for January 2017? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but Scott and I are committing to memorizing 52 verses with you over the course of this year. And every week, we're going to quote the verse of the week at the end of the service in the ESV version, not the What's Happening Now version, not the NIV, not the New American Standard, not the King James version, not the New King James version, the ESV version. This is going to kill me. Almost all the verses I've ever memorized come in the King James and the American Standard. It'll be tough, but we can do this, all right? So, I, and I get to pick out the verses. Now, I'm going to take nominations from the crowd over the course of time. January, we're going to focus on the gospel. John 3.16 is this week's verse. You have the rest of my sermon to memorize it. We'll say it together. <laughs> Next week is Romans 3.23, then Romans 6.23, and then Ephesians 2.8.9. There's your verses for January. For those of you who like to work ahead, there's your homework assignment. <laughs> for those of you who wake up and memorize it while Scott's preaching, well, there you go too. All right? So that's the second challenge. All right? The second challenge. Let's try to memorize 52 verses together this next year. Again, not legalistic because we believe it's good for us, right? It's good for us. Number four, the fourth habit of Jesus, I think, was involvement with the body. You say, now that's a little stretching it because didn't the church not begin until Pentecost and Acts 2? Just work with me here. He went to the synagogue. He went to the temple. But I believe that there are two 
particular ways that we're involved with the body. The first is in a local church. You're sitting at ABF, this is your local church. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I just got a simple question for you. Is, is church and the involvement in the body something that's kind of, mm, if I can make it, I'm here. Is this essential to your life or is it just an optional activity for your life? Where clearly, if you're on January 1st, you are the chosen, right? You are here. You win. You're here. Way to go. But I'm with Chad on this. You know, it's not our striving. It's, oh, I feel good because I'm going to church today. There's no merit badges for going to church. But the, what there is, is it'll enrich your life. There's nothing better than seeing a family sitting together in the third row, seeing couples opening their Bibles together, seeing high school and college students in the Word, taking notes, um, listening, thinking about what God is going to say to them today that will make a difference. And that happens in the context of the body. Now, some of you have never seen these. We got a bunch of these. This is where I put all my sermon notes. Actually, about, it only fits about a half year. I can, know, I can tell you that by experience. I have every sermon that's been preached here for the last five years in notebooks. And I believe that actually, I know this is so old school. You actually have to have a pen is to take notes. You actually fill in those blanks. Just humor me. And when I'm preaching, just write, write your grocery list down. It'll make me think that you're taking notes, all right? Just, just write a few things down, you know? Erwin's an idiot, you know? He should get his quotes right. He's off on that verse. No. I believe that if you'll take the discipline of writing a few notes. Now, there's actually a guy in our church. I love it. I was asking something. I go, what do you do with the notes? He says, I take notes. And then he has this system with Evernote that he takes a picture. And some, he's got them all filed on his phone. Now, it, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you know. There's, he's a Bible student, I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, that's, there's a way that these are not just going in your trash can. You actually can refer to them. So when you're teaching through Philippians in your life group and you're leading a group, you have your notes, all right? So I think, I think that's something for you to just consider. Uh, be in church. Make it more than just, um, uh, of just showing up. Uh, spend some time actually taking some notes, all right? But more important than just showing up to church, I think Jesus modeled this idea of investing in healthy relationships, it's why we talk so much about being in a life group. It's why Acts 2 is the model of all the believers were together and had everything in common. They came to meet together and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. It's where people are loved. It's where people find hope. Where you go through life's tragedies and you don't do it alone. One of our own is suffering this week. Some of you know that Stephanie's uh, dad died this week, and um, we don't know. What, we'll give you more details later about when the services. We're, we're we're mourning with her. In this past year, people in this church, women lost babies because they miscarried. Our hearts are breaking for them. There are people in this church who've gone through horrific relational difficulty and. 
they ended up divorced this year. If the church isn't the safest place on the planet to be vulnerable and transparent and honest and say, God, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I need other Christians to come alongside. Where is it going to be, friends? Now, there's, there's a lot of benefit of being in a life group and being in community and men's e-groups and women's Bible studies, but I can tell you the thing that I value the most is just a few people in my life that will look me eye to eye and say, hey, Erwin, how are you really doing? Because we talk an awful lot about accountability, but it's so hard to find someone you're really willing to be honest with who will say, hey, would you accept me even though I'm a, I'm a screw-up? Now, I did a little thing with a guy this past 29 days. We had a little accountability on a thing called Diet Coke and regular Coke and refined sugar, and why I said yes to this, why I even came up with this. But I can tell you, having accountability to this guy made a huge difference with all the temptations of sugar that beset me over the last 30 days. If it's a simple thing like that, that makes a difference in a, in a diet? What about people that you love and love you that you'll do life with that says, beyond a, a chocolate chip cookie, what is it that God's needing to do in your life? And what's that motivation you need, that you need, that you don't want to admit that you need that help? And so I just ask you to think about being involved with somebody, two, three, four, get in a life group. You know, in the, in the New Testament, uh, there's over 50 times the word one another is used. Love one another, bear one another's burdens, etc., etc. It goes on and on. The one another's in the ABF family means I'm going to commit to being with you. Now you say, but John, you don't really know my life. I got six kids. I got all this. We're homeschooling. You know, my husband works 75 hours a week. Blah, 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 blah. I, I'm exhausted hearing about your schedule. Let's just admit you, you win. You have the worst life of, of, in mankind, all right? But I can tell you that's not why you're not in relationship. Two reasons I found. Number one, the fear of vulnerability. Like, I just don't want people to know my stuff. And number two, it may be the time pressures in life, but maybe... Just maybe 2017, you say, I'm going to carve out a little time to do life with the folks that are sitting in this room. Number five, the fifth habit of Jesus. Now, you say, really? It's not a, number fifth habit is talk about Jesus. <laughs> you go, well, Jesus, did he talk about himself? Kind of. Uh, the idea is, I believe that Jesus was so eternally focused that the application for us today is, do we talk about Jesus? All right? Psalms 96.3, Jesus, does he come up in your conversation? Look at this. Proclaim his glory to the nations, his mighty deeds to all the people. So ask yourself, is he the reason for why I'm even sitting here today? Is he the, the, the person in my life that I talk about that just that comes out naturally in our conversations? For some of you who are introverts, this is very difficult to talk about Jesus like, ooh, that's a private thing. Um, 
let's just take a little survey. How many of you say, I'm kind of an introvert, and it's kind of hard for me to, to talk to other people just in general, but much less talk about Jesus. Just be honest. How many of you are the introvert type, and it's hard for you? There's a lot of us, all right? Some of you are you're so introverted, you don't really even want to raise your hand. I get it. <laughs> um, how, how many of you are kind of the extroverts, and talking is a pretty good thing for you? You can talk. Raise them high. Usually, they're like, whoa, yeah, all right? Now, all I'm saying is, whichever you find yourself, take that natural opportunity to steer a conversation towards spiritual things. It's amazing how easy it is if we think about it. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So some of you realize that you can actually share your faith in a restaurant using a napkin. Look at the next slide. I think this is the next slide. Let's check it out. There, there's the gospel from Romans 6.23. We're going to memorize this verse in a couple weeks. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just do a little bridge illustration on the napkin, right? There's man, there's God, here's the wages of death, here's... It's right there. Just draw it on the napkin. Challenge number three. You say, but I really don't know how to do that. Because I'm going to talk to you about reasons why we don't in a moment. So I'll give you a challenge to think. So one of the things that we, we don't share our faith, are, are, there are four reasons. Number one, we're fearful. We're just fearful. What do people think? Well, they think we're Jesus freaks. Um, you know, it kind of stretches us our comfort zone. I just like to be an undercover Christian. Second reason we don't, we don't um, share our faith is we're just apathetic. Now, I hate to be so pointed, but we just don't really care. Uh, we've kind of lost our heart for lost people. Uh, we'd never say it, but our priorities in our life kind of reveal it, you know? I've been convicted by that, you know? I hardly know my neighbors, you know? I've invited them to the things, and how do I build a relationship with people I don't really have any common connection with? And we, we've not praying for those opportunities. Um, maybe we've kind of lost some compassion. And I just ask you, are your heart, is your heart shrinking? Or is it enlarging as you look at the world? And you got the best news on the face of the planet. Are we hope ambassadors? Thirdly, we just don't have the knowledge. It's like, I'd like to, but like, I'm a new Christian or... I must have missed it somewhere along in confirmation or catechism or when, when did you offer that class? Uh, and we just don't know the gospel. It's not simple. It's not coherent. Well, challenge number three. I'll see if you remember the first two by the end of the sermon. Challenge number three. Our friend Bill Berry just joined uh, as an associate with a um, wonderful organization. Search. Search Ministries. Thank you. And... Um, I said, hey, Bill, you're so good about just building natural relationships with people and talking about Jesus. Would you be willing to offer a three-week class? And so we'll do how to study the Bible in January, and then he'll come back in February with a little three-week equip you class on how to share your faith. This is the nuts and bolts of how to build relationships, how to do it, simple tools to equip you. If that's your fear, we can check knowledge Black of knowledge off the, off the bucket list. You can go to class. Bill will help you with that.
All right? Number four is relationships. We don't talk about Jesus sometimes because we spend all our time with Christians. We're always in our little kind of holy huddle. We don't have any kind of non-believing Christian friend, uh, non-Christian friends. You, uh, now, if you're a parent, I mean, you have an abundant harvest in front of you because you've got school stuff and carpools and sports activities. And so we, we just, sometimes we don't because we just don't have connection or relationship. All right, we're going to land the plane. What's the sixth habit, the sixth habit of Jesus? It's serving others, serving others. Uh, we know uh, this from Mark nine thirty five. If anyone would be first, he must be the last. He must be the servant of all. So I would say from that, we, we have to adopt a others first mentality, not a me first mentality. You know, there's a lot of unsung heroes, and I every time I preach and I wait, pick an illustration, I do this, I write it, find someone in the church while you're saying this and pick them out. It's always a scary thing, like what if I can't think of someone who's serving, but all of you are serving. But uh, I'm just going to... Um, Look at Susie Brown right now because she's the first one I saw. Now she's going to shoot me. Every year she does this little ministry of angel tree, and we adopt families, and these kids wouldn't have gifts because folks are in prison, and 25, 30, 40 families every year are blessed because one person says, I want to serve somebody else. That's just one example of the hundreds of you in this congregation who says, I'm passionate about this. I'm going to serve somebody else. I'm not going to serve myself. Let's serve others. Martin Luther, Martin Luther King said this very interesting thought about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Catch this. He said, the first question when the, which the priests and the Levites asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Mother Teresa said, give of your hands to serve and your hearts to love. So adopt a other first mentality if we're going to serve. Secondly, accept serving as the practice of your life, not the exception. Serving is the practice of your life, not the serving. One of the four guys that I'm in accountability with approached me two months ago and said, hey, I want to do something for homeless people on Thanksgiving Day. I want to cook a bunch of turkeys, get a bunch of green beans and mashed potatoes and stuffing. We're going to pull it all together. We'll put it in baskets, and we're just going to go. 45 people later, and I don't know how many people they stopped and served, he pulled it off because he said, I, I want to serve somebody else. In fact, their whole family did it. Their whole family kind of took that on, and a bunch of you joined the Crab family on Thanksgiving Day. You see... I think it was Rick Warren said, you can retire from your career, but you will never retire from serving God. That's awesome. What is it that we want to do? What is it that you're passionate about? Um, my partner in crime with our senior adult ministry is sitting right here in the second row. I love it because Alan's always in the second row right there, right? Never misses, right? And I said, Alan, I need some help. And he's kind of taken over that ministry. It's awesome. Each of you have a place and a role and a function to serve. Now, some of you younger ones, anybody that's under age 18, 
you're not getting off the hook this morning. You got, you're in here this morning, nah, you're all mine, all right? You're under 18, come and talk to me. I will put you to work. No, most importantly, Adrian will put you to work, I'm sure, all right? <laughs> this guy is awesome right here. Cameron's sitting in the front row. I can't tell you how much he blesses me. This doesn't happen once a week, doesn't happen twice a week. Nearly three or four days a week, he comes in to our office and says, Pastor John, Pastor Scott, is there anything I can do for you? How awesome is that? Can I just do something? And sometimes we have really lousy jobs, like, yeah, Cameron, can you like get all those cushions out of the, there before they get soaked in rain? Uh, yeah, could we have, Javier's been gone for like 90, uh, two weeks because he had a hernia surgery. Could they, you like take out the trash? Or Chris will say, hey man, I, I can't teach Friday night. Can you teach Friday night to our junior hires? When you serve, there's something that God does inside of you that you are changed even more so than whatever happens in what you're doing. And I really believe that that's something of the six habits. You guys do that so well. You do it so well. So let's land the plane. Chad's going to come. We're going to sing. As we wrap up right now, I wanna, I've given you some questions to look at. What's one of the habits you want to break this year? What's something, what spiritual discipline do you want to start with? And would you, look at the rest of the questions. What are four reasons why someone's reluctant to share their faith? You can go through the questions, but I'd like to challenge you with three challenges. We mentioned them today that you'd prayerfully consider being a part of this next year. Number one, the ABF Bible Memory Challenge, 52 verses in 52 weeks. Um, for those of you who are goal-oriented and motivated by competition, we all win. So that's like, oh, no, I want to win, you lose. It's all together. What is... What's the prize? Scott will answer that in an ensuing week. How's that? Put it on his doorstep. All right. So that's the Bible memory challenge. Number two, commit to spending time alone this year in ways you've never have. Now, I don't care how long, how much time, or how many days, but set some kind of goal. Say, hey, I'm going to be alone with Jesus this year. By the way, if you want to see my personal goals in seven different areas of life, I'd be glad. You just email, I'll send you my personal goals and kind of where, how I'm setting that up for my own life. I'd be glad to share it with you. And then number three, uh, and by the way, if, if, if you don't know how to have that quiet time, you know, go to that class. And then number three, in talking about Jesus, would you do something for me right now on those notes? Would you write down three names Three names of people who are far from Jesus, who could benefit from a conversation this next year because you took the time to have a cup of coffee and say, what's up? Go ahead and just take the time. We'll call it privately our top three. Just three people that you want the love of Jesus to flow through you, and you're just going to have the conversation. And over time, that conversation will turn to a spiritual topic. Maybe not in the first coffee, not in the second, but you're just going to say, hey, Lord willing, would you give me a chance to connect with these three people? You say, what? They live halfway across the country. Well, you know what? I've discovered something called FaceTime. 
I've discovered Skype. I've discovered Google Hangouts. I think there's ways of connecting. Write them down. I rarely ask you to respond verbally, but I'm going to ask you to do it right now. Say one of those names out loud right now. Just This is someone. For me, it's Lewis. Anybody else? Kevin. Mike. Keep, oh, keep going. Keep going. Yep. 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 More. Yep. Yep. There's a couple hundred people in this room. That's 600 people, potentially, because you'll take the time to have a conversation to talk about Jesus. Three challenges. Time in the Word, memorizing the Word, talking about Jesus. Those are the habits. I think those are the habits that Jesus would say, hey, that's worthy. That's a worthy thing in 2017. Amen? Is this just an awesome day? You're here in God's house. Wonderful worship. I want to remind you of two things. Every time we do communion on that Sunday, we have what we call our deacon's offering. And on your way out, if you want to drop something on the plates, that's a heads up to our ushers or get something back there before I'm done speaking. Uh, that goes to meet the needs of people that are less fortunate than ourselves. This past year, I don't know if you realize that over $30,000 was given to help the needs in our community make house payments, pay utility bills, gas cards, because you gave in this offering. Number two, through the good times and the bad times, we're starting an awesome new series, wait for it, on the book of Job. You're going, no, yes. Do you know how many great themes, a six-week series in the book of Job's great themes that Pastor Scott will unpack for us for people going through tough times? I, th I don't know what the series title is, but you'll have to come back next week to find it out. We're so glad you're here today. God bless you. And, and today, our first verse, John 3.16, the only time you can see it in the, say it in the ESV, the, the NASV, we're going to say it together, probably in the King James, because that's how I remembered it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God bless you. We'll see you next week.